so uh, Luke chapter 16, verses 16 to 18, just um, three verses, and you'll see from the way the heading has been put in, and the way the headings are put into the New International Version, it's almost like the, the, the kind of translators, they're not quite sure where these where these verses fit, because they kind of, well, do they fit with the bit that goes before? Do they fit with the bit that comes after? And it's one of those times where actually putting the headings in is not very helpful, because it splits, it does split it up, and it doesn't need to be split up. So I'm going to read from a couple of verses previously, just to join it up. And uh, as you remember, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, Paul was preaching on the first bit of Luke 16, uh, which kind of... So it draws to a close in verse 13 with Jesus saying, you can't serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Uh, Then verse 14, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of people, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among people is detestable. In God's sight, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And a man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So it all seems a little bit random. We've sort of started with, you know, money. You can't love God and money. And then three verses later, we've wound up with, uh, uh, well, if you divorce your wife and marry another woman, you're committing adultery. And then in the middle of it, we've got a bit about the law and the prophets and the, and the kingdom of God. It's like, huh? <laughs> What's going on? But it all fits together. And it's all about this thing of holding together the love and the holiness of God. You see, the thing that you need to know about the Pharisees, if you didn't already know this, is that the Pharisees are, they're a bit zealous for the law. They love the law and they love applying the law. So the Pharisees have taken the Ten Commandments and then the scribes and the teachers of the law have applied the Ten Commandments to the nth degree. So they've added several hundred more rules and regulations that help you obey the Ten Commandments. And for the Pharisees, That's how you please God. You please God by obeying the law. And if you obey the law really, really well, well, then God will send the Messiah. And the other thing you need to know about the Pharisees is they have this connection in their minds between blessing and wealth, which is why they love money. And sometimes we we fall into that same trap in in our own culture. And sometimes the church makes this mistake as well. That we think, well, if someone's very wealthy, they must be important and significant and someone to be looked up to. And in the Old Testament, there's this connection between wealth and God's blessing. So if you're wealthy, that's because God blesses you. So the Pharisees love money because it's like, well, God clearly blesses me. And God blesses me because I'm obeying the law. I'm being a good boy and I'm obeying the Ten Commandments. And that's for them. For the Pharisees, that's how it works. And they don't like Jesus because he doesn't do any of that stuff. Jesus, well, he does, but Jesus is, they see him as a lawbreaker. Jesus is often breaking the Sabbath. And, you know, like we've done this morning, he heals on the Sabbath. And for the Pharisees, that's like, well, you can't do that. 
Because healing is work. So Jesus starts to challenge them. Because they sneer at Jesus. They sneer at Jesus because he's like, well, what are you talking about? You don't, you don't obey the law. You're not wealthy. You haven't even got somewhere to lay your head. How can God be blessing you when you're penniless? It doesn't compute for the Pharisees. Jesus begins to kind of uh, pull them apart. He says, you justify yourselves in the eyes of people, but God knows your hearts. God knows your hearts. That's the important thing. It doesn't matter what we display on the outside, what's going on in our hearts, because that's what God sees and that's what's important. But Jesus knows that they're having a go at him about the law. So he says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, John the Baptist. Now, can I borrow a, 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 a baton? You've been making batons. Can I borrow one? Whose baton? Fred, can I borrow your batons? Excellent. You can You've been making battles for a relay race, haven't you? Yes. Has Christy told you what the, what's, what's, what's the, the relay race, where will start, and what's on the, what's on the battle? Yeah? Because um, when, with the prophets, they were telling everyone about God, and then Jesus was like, right, this is what actually is. Fantastic. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> another, another preacher in the making. Thank you, Dave. I know, literally. I tell you, one, one day, I, I've no doubt, one day, Fred and Gabe are going to be standing here yeah. preaching. They are, I'm sure, I'm sure of it. They do a much better job than me. So, they've been making batons because, I want you to picture a relay race. Now, in a relay race, you have several runners, and one starts, and then they pass the baton to the next person, and they pass it to the next person. But at the end of the race... They're all part of the same team. They're all part of the same team from at the beginning and at the end, but they have different, they run different legs of the relay race. So, the law and the prophets start the race in the Old Testament. And the race is reconciliation with God, friendship with God. How do we come back into communion with God when that relationship has been broken by sin? And the law and the prophets. They get the bat on and they set off with the race. And for the Pharisees, that's what they love. That's what they understand. Yeah, we're running with the law and the prophets. We're running with the law. We're going to obey the law. If we obey the law, the Messiah will come. That's what we're longing for. There are lots of people who don't obey the law. And well, God's not going to be very interested in them. And they're not going to be able to get very close to God because they don't obey the law. Jesus says... John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets to hold the baton before he handed it on to Jesus. So the baton of the law and the prophets, they run with it and then it's passed on after John the Baptist to Jesus. And this is where the Pharisees have a problem. Because Jesus takes the baton from the law and the prophets and then he seems to trash the whole thing. Because he doesn't seem to obey the law. All this stuff that's been really... He doesn't seem to obey it. He doesn't obey the Sabbath law. And he hangs out with the most disreputable of people. Tax collectors. uh, Lepers. Prostitutes. Sinners. That's the constant criticism of Jesus. Is he hangs out with sinners and tax collectors. If you're a Pharisee, that will horrify you. Jesus says, 
Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. Do you remember a few years ago, the very first Black Friday, another lovely import from our friends across the pond. The very first Black Friday, when it was all focused on one day, and there was like this huge build-up and this huge excitement and anticipation, and then at six o'clock on the morning of the first Black Friday, the doors of Asda were thrown open, and thousands of people trampled over each other to get in just to get a cut prize telly. Well, that's what kind of Jesus does with the kingdom of God. Before then, the Pharisees have said, well, no, you can't come in here. You're not obeying the rules. You're not law-abiding. God's not going to let you in. And then Jesus comes along and suddenly, yep, doors are open. Everyone can come. Lepers, prostitutes, uh, tax collectors. I don't care. You can all come. God loves you. And the Pharisees are horrified because they're like, well, hang on a minute. What happened to the holiness of God? God is holy. How can you let all these unholy people come in? And that's what what Jesus is doing in their eyes. And they're like, no, this is so wrong. But remember the baton. It's the same race. It's just been passed from the law and the prophets to Jesus. And Jesus knows that the Pharisees are thinking this. They know that they're sneering at him. So he basically says, yeah, the doors have been thrown open. Everyone can come in, but it is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. So Jesus says, no, the law has not disappeared. The law has not gone away. God is as holy as he ever was. The Ten Commandments are as relevant as they ever were. Jesus says, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. The holiness of God. You see, it's the, let me give you these um, little thing for you to have a go at. Okay, I've got a little piece of paper for you. And on one side it says love, and on the other side it says holiness. So I'm just going to put one on each table, one on each table. What I want somebody to do, just find a volunteer, try and pull them apart. Just try and separate. Can you pull them apart without? We see the love and the holiness of God cannot be separated. And I'm so praying that no one manages to peel these pieces of paper, otherwise, my illustration is trashed. But you can't. You can't take them apart. And Jesus says, Jesus is being accused of like throwing away the holiness of God. And he says, no, the law hasn't changed. It's exactly the same. But the thing that has changed is how you gain access to God. For the Pharisees, you gain access to God through obedience to law. Jesus in the kingdom of God says, no, you gain access to God through my death on the cross. And once you're in relationship with God through my death on the cross, then you'll start obeying the law because you'll just want to do it. Because I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit and a new life. And it's exactly the same way. And then this last verse, verse 18, Jesus, he, he basically, he nails the Pharisees. 
He completely punctures their bubble when he says, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Because the Pharisees, they're all about obeying the law. That's their big thing. We're the ones who obey the law. The commandment that says, you shall not commit adultery, the Pharisees have utterly trashed it, and they know it. And when Jesus says this, they're like, oh, whoops. It's that thing where you know you've been caught and you have no response. And for the Pharisees, it's like, oh, oh, all right then. <laughs> you've got us. Let me just read you, because um, the, the commandment says you shall not commit adultery. Well, how do you interpret that? So there are two schools of thought in Judaism. There's a school of Shammai who says you've got to do what it says on the tin. If it says, only, you know, you must have grown, that's it. There's another school of thought, the school of Hillel, which is a bit more interpretive of the commandment and justification for getting divorced. So this is what the school of Hillel had said. And between the two, guess which one they lumped for of the two. So the school of Hillel said you could divorce your wife if she spoiled a dish of food. <laughs> If she spun in the street, I'm not sure if that means spinning around or, or kind of weaving, but if you spun in the street, you can divorce the girl. If she talked to a strange man, if she was guilty of speaking disrespectfully of her husband's relations in his hearing, uh, if she was a brawling woman, which was defined as a woman whose voice could be heard in the next house. <laughs> and remember, this is before windows. There's no triple glazing. You don't have to raise your voice. Rabbi Akiba went so far as to say that a man could divorce his wife if he found a woman who was fairer than she. <laughs> literally, this is how they were going about divorce. And to get divorced, you literally wrote a two-sentence thing. I'm divorcing you and this is why. So literally, if you found someone, you thought, oh, she's prettier than, you know, off you go, love, I'm marrying her. <laughs> so that's why Jesus, because he says, you say you're all about the law, but you're not. Because you've utterly trashed this commandment. And you've just, you, you've, you've interpreted it in such a way. And that's why he says, and in the context, it makes complete sense. Because he's saying, no, nothing of the law has changed. And you are committing adultery left, right and centre because you are divorcing your wives on the slightest pretext and he, and he completely nails them. God's love and God's holiness. You, did they, no one managed to pull them apart, did they? You can't separate them. He's determined. He's going to do it. He's going to go home and soak it in white spirit or nail varnish remover. You're going to come back next Sunday with both of you. <laughs> But you can't. God's love and God's... And we have to keep them together. And one of, the, one of the things that we've lost, both in the world and in the church, is a sense of God's holiness. We are so... The, the world has completely lost any sense of God's holiness. And so much of the church has so emphasised the love of God that we've neglected to emphasise the holiness of God. Both things must be held together. It's one race 
It's one baton, the love and the holiness of God. The law and the prophets ran the first leg. Jesus is running the second leg. But it's all about his love and holiness. Thank you very much. Can I give you your baton back? Thank you. Thank you very, very much. So we meet... In the presence of God who throws open his arms wide and says, I love you, whoever you are, whatever you are, whatever the condition of your life, whatever you've done, you can come. You're all welcome. But then you step into his arms and suddenly you realise he's holy. And you suddenly realise, I can't stay the way I am. I don't want to stay the way I am. I want my life to be different but it's that way round we change because God has loved us we don't change because we want to make God love us that's the way round and that's what we're all about I, I, um, I had a dinner party last night and uh, some of those who were there are still here this morning so that's good news <laughs> on the food front but uh, some of you they said what do you do what do you do and I just said as I sometimes say I have the best job in the world I tell people good news. That's what I do. That's what we do. So let's make sure that that's what we're doing. Let's make sure we've understood the good news. And let's keep sharing it. So let's let's take a moment to pray. Take a moment to pray. And um, I want to pray first of all. uh, Just for for those of us who, who may not yet have really encountered... This amazing God of love who's done so much for us. And just pray, Lord, you love to reveal yourself. And so I pray even this morning, Lord, would you reveal your love to those of us who've never quite grasped it. Those of us who are hungry and thirsty, who are longing for some connection with you. Lord, would you reveal yourself to us by your Holy Spirit this morning. May we feel the warmth of your embrace and know that you welcome us through the cross of your son, Jesus, through everything that he's done for us. Thank you that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Thank you, Lord, that's who you are. Come, Holy Spirit, minister your grace into our lives this morning. May we know your forgiveness and your love. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, for those of us this morning that just need the reassurance of of knowing that you're still for us, that your heart is for us. Lord, have mercy on us this morning. And Lord, embolden us and equip us to share your good news with others in whatever way we can. Whether through acts of kindness, whether through our words, whether through our prayers. Lord, we all have the best job in the world, which is to tell good news. Uh, Give us opportunity this week to share that good news for Jesus' sake. Amen.